Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but the truth remains indisputable. I'm Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and every day I'll be bringing you a full dose of truth on my show, Indisputable. We cover criminal justice, social justice, politics, racism, police brutality, and everything in between. I even make space for conservative voices, but not before they step into the bullpen, where I debate them on their policy agenda. In January, I hosted They Called Him Radical, a special tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It features myself, Senator Nina Turner, Ricky Smiley, and Sharon Reed. Together, we reflected on Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy, his real legacy, and considered what we can all do to continue to fight for a better world. Listen to Indisputable and They Called Him Radical on Apple Podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. Welcome to the Quick Stop F1 podcast. My name is Nasha, and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. I appreciate that on this freezing Monday evening in the UK. I hope it's warmer wherever you are. Um, but I am here with two special guests. We're going to kick it, we're going to chat about all things F1. First and foremost, I've got the lovely Amelia for me. Hello. How's it doing? How's it doing? How are you doing? And how's it going? I'm good and it's going good. There we yeah. go. Wonderful. <laughs> what what a what a double dose of delightfulness that was. Much appreciated. <laughs> and also all the way from South Africa, I've got the the host of one of my favorite Twitter spaces. I don't know where they've gone to. We'll discuss that later. But <laughs> Big up, Naz, how you doing? Hey, hi, how are you? I'm all right. Thank you for asking. I had to think about that. You know when it's just like you're in your mind and it's just like, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> uh, we love a good Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone who doesn't, right? Um, but no, more importantly, how are you? You okay? I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm kind of in a new phase of my life since the last Ooh. time we spoke. Um, yeah, I've now left uni, so I'm now an employed woman. Um, <laughs> nice. How is employed today, life treating you? Listen, um, oh, so mm. I mean, I'm really happy that today I had an early because normally I work kind of really long hours, but today was a bit of an early day, so I'm, I'm quite glad that that happened today. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad for you and I hope that this day carries on being good in this podcast. I hope it doesn't all just go downhill after this basically. Um but look, it's not about me, it's not about any of my special guests. It's about you guys at home. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to give us a like and a subscribe and if you're listening on any podcast platform make sure to rate us we're trying to get to 500 spotify ratings so if you listen to us on spotify just give us a little five star rating and if you're on apple music or apple Podcasts, give us a review it all helps much appreciated and i guess while i'm here plugging stuff you if you like quick stop f1 stuff feel free to go on our website and you can buy all the merch on there all proceeds go to me so yeah <laughs> You know, I'm joking. It goes to buying more stuff for the podcast. I'm not balling out. Please believe it is winter. There is rice at home. No takeaways. But anyway, I digress. So we have had a pretty dry news week. I'm not going to lie, but there was some news last week 
someone has unfortunately or finally, depending on where you sit on the fence, lost their race seat for 2023. And that person is Nicholas Latifi. And here's where I insert crying music, clown music, whichever one you want. So, Amelia, I'll come to you first. I guess uh-huh. the legend of Nick Latifi, uh, he's not been renewed for next year. I guess in the three, well, nearly three seasons he's been in the sport now, um, how would you describe his time in the sport? Oh, I guess the thing with Latifi is he's been in the Williams. And he's been in a Williams that's not performed this year. And, I mean, everyone talks about Latifi, like, he's not a great driver, but you can never assess someone, I don't think, from their performance on what is what has been consistently the worst or near worst car on the grid. Mm-hmm. But I think for people to still be able to say, yeah, he's done badly, even when he was matching George at points, I think that proves that, yeah, you're not going to do better anywhere else. If people can judge your performance in a Williams that's at the back of the grid and say, yeah, he's not up to much, you're really, really not up to much. Yeah, you've really got to stand out in the worst car for your team to not renew your contract and it would seem not have anyone else lined up. Naz, uh, do you have any, like, I guess, fond memories of Nick at all? <laughs> Any, any, I mean, I suppose the only fun memory of his doesn't even necessarily involve him, but mm. involves kind of the radio message that George um, made. I think it was in Hungary last year, right. where he said, Well, you can sacrifice my race to give, you know, Nikki the points, or, you know. And so, I mean, I suppose that's really the only thing I remember about kind of him. But I think also for me, the death knell, if you will, really was. Um, Monza and how somebody who had been in the car for like an afternoon and a half and then arrived on Sunday and was like oh yay here's me Um, obviously he's had previous um, what's the word I'm looking for he's had previous practice experience so you know it's not a completely brand new car but -hmm. like that somebody can show up and just completely outclass you like that after that I was just like he has to go because I think before I'd kind of be like maybe you know if they can't find anybody else maybe he should stay but Mm -hmm. after that I was kind of like no bestie you actually have to go sorry man you two are so polite this guy's (laughs) ass what the fuck no (laughs) That is so nice. The DeVries thing is funny, though, because I feel like maybe it's just me, but everyone I see has an agenda against DeVries. I don't mind the fact, but I feel like a lot of people were like, it would be funny if he did badly. And then he did that well in that Williams. And I mean, Alex has had his own issues, but Alex has performed him. So, like, Nick to get ninth when a lot of people don't think he's good enough for that seat anyway really proves that Latifi is not good enough for that seat. Oh, yeah. No. And and look, you know, I guess this goes on to a conversation about pay drivers, right? So Mm Nick Latifi is what some may call or may want, I guess, as the last of a dying breed of (laughs) someone who can pay their way into the sport and maybe not be considered one of the top 20 drivers in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're not there. Now look, 
technically every F1 driver in some way or another is a pay driver, right? It's an ex- it's a ridiculously expensive sport. It's an even more inaccessible sport. So, you know, obviously that is, you know, money is always going to be a factor. But I guess with Nick Latifi gone, I guess Lance Stroll has his whole own team now. So, you know, whether that is his team. Whether we like it or not, you know, his dad owns it. So he's going nowhere. Um, I guess Joe brings Chinese sponsorship money, but I, I still, that he didn't, I guess he's not directly paid into that. I can't really think of anyone else at the moment on the grid who is paying to be there in the way that Latifi, essentially saying, look, I've got money. In the same way Mazepin was last season, I've got money for you to help prop your team up. In return, I will race one of your cars. With the new regulations that have come in, you know, with cost cap and I guess just, you know, with, you know, teams, I guess, being able to be in a position to spend less and make more money. I guess, Naz, is this the end of the pay driver or I guess, you know, will there always be space for someone like that in the sport? I think there probably is space for somebody like that, but I just, I think that, Nick Latifi falls at the bottom of that totem pole, maybe a little bit above like a Mazepin, for example, Mazepin, however you say that. Um, (laughs) Because I think ultimately, I don't think people necessarily have as much of an issue with a pay driver as you will um, if they're kind of performing decently, they're kind of arriving at the job, they're doing the things that they need to do. But I think it becomes then a big issue when it clearly looks like you're taking somebody else's spot. Like there is somebody I think who's quote unquote more deserving. Um, and the only reason why they're not there is because their last name, like their dad doesn't own Safina, right? Was um, <laughs> not bringing in the Lavazza money. <laughs> so, um, I think, yeah, I think it might be, but I think, because of how money hungry I suppose Formula One is, I do think there always will be someone like Latifi, maybe not quite as bad as Latifi, but they're always going to be around. Yeah, true, true. And I guess, Amelia, looking at what is left out there, the the it looks like the crumbs of f1 drivers out there that a few teams are looking at i think we've got a situation where williams are looking for someone alpine are looking for someone and obviously haas are looking for someone we'll get to that Mm -hmm. in a bit but i guess if you're williams i guess do you think that Williams, it looks like they're going to opt for a driver, obviously, who who is capable of driving it and it will look like an increase. I guess if they go with Nick DeVries, what are your thoughts on, on Nick and his uh, his capability? I guess let's say to match Alex Albon, I guess, who's going to be the benchmark for any driver who goes into that team. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I think DeVries for me is the obvious choice um, because the one thing everyone forgets is Latifi was second in Formula 2 when De Vries won it. So De Vries, as much as we can't say all Formula 2 cars are equal, De Vries has proven himself over Latifi anyway. So you can make an argument that because he was a Mercedes driver then, he's always deserved that seat and he certainly should be in line for it first. But even when you think about pay drivers, I think the, like Alpine have got the probably the best choice because they have like they are the best team out of the three that are looking for someone. Mm. As at least can look at maybe the Ferrari Academy drivers, if there are any, 
But Williams has their academy. And who do you have in that? You have Nasani, who is the definition of the bad pay driver on the F2 grid at the moment. Like, literally yeah. isn't even allowed to race at that. You have Sargent, who is so entertaining to me because what he was a pay driver. And then you have Trump associations that mean he has no money anymore. Oh. And then... <laughs> I did and not know that. Like Wait, whoa, 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 you want me to get back on this? Sorry, one. sorry, sorry. I because I've heard people say they want to put Logan Sargent as it, and I, I, and I've seen like right. little quips and stuff. But could you just explain for those okay. who don't know what you mean by that? I haven't written the Logan Sargent also uh, Logan Sargent biography, but what I do know, he has familial connections to known associates of Trump who were fined lots and lots of money by the american government because and i think it was don't quote me on this something to do with their involvement in international espionage in countries like venezuela and they were the i think it was his uncle or his uncle-in-law or something and they were the people funding his seats which is why when people like oscar went up to f2 even though logan i think only lost the f3 championship in the last race in 2020 and probably on talent should have gone up to f2 didn't and almost didn't even get an F3 F3 seat for a while. So he's an interesting one because he certainly doesn't have the money anymore to do it. Um, but then, like Williams, have no one in their academy that's maybe capable because of that. Well, 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 well. I did not know that. That is incredible. Um, it's always a fun story. <laughs> no, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, yeah. The thing is, like, where else do Williams go if it's if it's not Nick? And I guess, like, you know there really isn't much out there i'm not gonna lie it's not. honestly you know i mean i'm i'm not really out there out there like that but sometimes when you're swiping on tinder and it's just you know nothing's exciting on <laughs> right like nice you, healthy like you just like you know what sometimes you go like no i'm gonna put my phone down i need to go outside okay i'm gonna find someone because it's not in my phone so I guess with, with Williams, I guess this, let's have a conversation about Williams. Williams got bought out. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, the Williams uh, family sold the company to, to Dorrington, who are, uh, who kind of promised that, you know, the need for pay drivers would stop and, you know, they're going to put money into the car and into the team. and um, But, you know, it doesn't look like they've gone forward in fact i could probably argue relatively to everyone else in some i mean they've got incredible straight line speed so in places like monza and spa they look great i do worry about them at tracks where they can't use that and uh, they look very far away when when that's the, well far away when that's the case where do williams really go from here i guess that's like you know um are they just basically now I guess are they just consigned to being the worst team on the grid and I guess they're there to help I guess people like George and people like Alex I guess rejuvenate careers create careers almost be like a feeder team to the rest of the grid or I guess or do you ever do you see like a positive uh positive future for them I mean, this is going to sound really controversial but I'm going to go with it but I I think part of the reason why Williams is still a thing is definitely because of kind of their heritage within Formula One um, and I don't think that outside of that there really is any reason for them to be taken seriously as a team <laughs> like, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> that's a Frank you're talking about 
his life's work. No, it was but that's what I'm saying. Well, sorry. <laughs> okay, now we're getting to the good stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, so currently, right outside of Sir Frank, I mean, when he died, I was also like, ooh, RIP bestie. But I mean, you know, outside of that. <laughs> You're okay. I'm not okay. But yes, yes, I'm not okay. But I, I know for sure, I would be busy, definitely to, to Sir Frank. Yeah, it's tough, but like, <laughs> you know, like rest in peace. So, I mean, I think they they probably, I think the best bet, honestly, is to try and approximate what um, Alpha Tauri is to to Red Bull, which is effectively just like a feeder. Um, a feeder team, right? A place where you get ready, you know, finishing touches in Formula One, and then you go on to kind of the big team, right? Um, and so I think that their value there, right, if they can get it together, would be really good. But I have heard that apparently Jos Capito is not, he's looking to move away um, from that Williams relationship and go elsewhere. So that might not be the dream that Toto is looking for. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I mean, they're a nice heritage team, but it's also like, how many times do you have to fail for us to say actually just can the whole thing? <laughs> like, just I mean, it's, yeah. pack your bags, get out. Um, <laughs> like I, I hear it. I, I guess Amelia, like I think when they sold the team, um, a, a big part of that was that they were going to keep the Williams name and they were going to stay in some way independent. But you know they look like a team ripe for someone to buy and just move forward with to be honest um and i guess whilst we're on the subject i guess how with the way f1 is moving at the moment and look this is all just conjecture this is all us you know i guess just looking into the future and seeing what what is what is down the road for a team like williams but i guess an f1 grid without the williams name on it is that is that a loss to F1, I guess? In the same way that, look, there are people that champion, look, there are people that champion for Spa to be there every year, even though it mm. serves up absolute dross. Year <laughs> after year after year, the worst after Monaco. And people want Monaco on the calendar. That's an even better example, right? Oh, that oh. needs to go. <laughs> I'm Get so it. glad that that was removed. Oh my God. For five whole years. Oh, that made me so angry. Because they literally gassed us up and said, okay, like they, they haven't gotten the contract together. It's the end. Another track is going to come in. And then when I saw the breaking news, I was like, wait, uh, you lied. Mate, Somebody lied. Not only is there no South Africa, but there's extra Monaco. Like, put on a racist. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, uh, but uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, you know, given the, I guess the importance F1 places on heritage, is it a bad thing if there's not a Williams car on the grid, I guess? I think the thing for me is, like, Williams has to have value. Like, you say Monaco, but Monaco Formula E races are great because the Formula E cars fit around Monaco. Mm. And then, even if it isn't the best Formula E race, the perks of Monaco, like the glamour and stuff, are fine because you can still get a good race out of it. Williams don't have to be the next Red Bull, the next Mercedes to be value to, valuable to the grid, but they have to prove that they can move forward. And I think they are kind of stuck in a bad spot maybe because of when that money came in and then fixing the changes, repaying debts or whatever versus building a new car. Like how much time did they have to adapt to 2022? 
if they can, and obviously they've had to battle with losing George, who is like an excellent driver and was, sorry, my alarm's going off. That's okay. And was crucial to them. <laughs> uh, and then like, obviously having to find someone to replace Latifi, but if they can get the recent, like another young driver like Alex, I feel like that is something to build off. They've just got to build off of it. If they can become someone like Alphatari that maybe has an occasional bad year, but can finish halfway through the championship, and you can't discount them for points. I don't think there's anything wrong with them being there because they're a valuable team, but you've got to actually prove that value to some extent. Very true, considering when we're talking about value and, you know, Total Wolf coming out and saying, you know, uh, an F1 team like Andre who want to come in as their own team would need like, you know, like a billion in, in money and assets for them to be of value to the rest of the grid and for them to be able to come in and, and, and be competitive and, and add value. So you look at that and then you look at, you know, the situation Williams when it does look like a bit of a lonely road, but I mean, it's, I think it's nice that they're wanting to stay independent, but you know, at the same time, interesting to see. And hopefully they can, you know, hopefully year on year, we've got pretty stable regulations now until 2026. So who knows right you know they can start to you know creep up and creep up and, and go closer but it doesn't big man ting it's not looking good bruv um <laughs> so uh let's move on my next topic which i had for you guys was ah which one we do first let's do hearts first because it looks like a bit of a shit show over there bro i'm not gonna <laughs> lie yeah Haas and Mick Schumacher are going through the messiest breakup in the world. You know when you see, you know, they're going through like a Facebook breakup where you'll just see, you'll see like people in their mid-30s to 40s just subbing each other on their Facebook statuses like, oh, this prick doesn't clean the dishes well. I'd fucking clean the dishes if someone learned how to cook. And we can see them growing apart. Mick's coming out. Mick's having to get Uncle Ross Braun to come out and fight for him and say Mick deserves to stay. He's doing well. Good to Steiner's coming out and saying, well, Mick's not even spoken to me. And then he's talking about signing Nico Hulkenberg. Just don't know why. Um, and so forth. I guess let's have an open and dis- uh, an honest discussion about Mickey Blue Eyes, Mick Schumacher. Naz. I'm going to put a simple question to you. Does Mick Schumacher deserve to keep his F1 seat? Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I this is actually the one thing where I was like in two minds, and I still am in two minds, to be honest, because I think on the one hand, right, for me, this year feels like Mick's rookie year. I don't count last year because they weren't developing the car at all. They basically said, listen, we're looking at 2022. And he literally had like an ass teammate. Like there's nothing. It was, it was, I mean, trying to look good next to Mazepin was not hard. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't want, you know, I've never driven um, an F1 car before, but I no. feel like if I, if I put my mind to it enough and I like practice yeah. like that, I too could, yeah. you know, could go up against him. I don't have a license and I think I could like map <laughs> it. Um, you guys sound like Tandy for real right now. Oh my God. <laughs> This is what all girls are like. <laughs> Incredible. So, I mean, you know, so that's kind of the issue where his previous year doesn't really count. But at the same time, and I was kind of listening to some other podcasts and they were talking about how Mick 
generally does the thing where he needs a little bit more time to get into it. And so we've seen like in his F2 and his F3 career that really in the second year, he started to get, he started to get it right. Now that might work in the kind of lower formula series, but in formula one, and especially with the kind of team that Haas is, where they're more kind of impactful in the beginning of the year. And then towards the end of the year, as more teams are developing, they kind of fall off. That then doesn't work for him. Right. And like, I don't think that he's completely been outclassed by Kevin Magnus. And I think he's shown glimpses of like, like he kind of looks like he knows what he's doing. But I think that maybe his place might be at another team, maybe even like a Williams, where people are more kind of happy to sit through you making mistakes because we already know this is kind of an ass team. So I would like for him to go to Williams, um, which is a stretch and I don't think it's going to happen. But like, does he deserve his seat? I mean, I guess, no, like it, it, it's not working. Like I root, I root him completely and I understand where he's coming from. But I think kind of the confluence of the type of driver that he is and the direction that Haas is going just isn't working and it's going to frustrate everyone. And so it's probably best for them to split ways. Um, but I also want Mick to have a seat somewhere because I like him. He's a very sweet boy. He's also very cute. So Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Um, <laughs> thank you, Naz. Amelia. Amelia, I guess, yeah, thoughts uh-huh. Mick. Um, I guess would it be a shame if, I guess we're talking about, you know, new teams coming in and only being 20 places. I guess is Mick a casualty of there only being 20 mm-hmm. seeds in F1, essentially. For me, like, I'm on the same boat. Mick's cute. I want him on the seat. He's smiling. <laughs> but, like, I think when you talk about Mick having a seat, Haas need Mick to be good more than Mick need Haas to be good, even if Mick is doing worse than Haas. Um, which is why, like, as I said, like, a team like Williams would work for him because they're prepared to, like, this is going to sound bad, but I see them as more of a serious team. Like, even if they don't perform as well, I feel like they are okay sitting through it and raising it. Whereas Haas is just like, you know, they're going to get angry at him. But, I mean, Mick has Callum to look at, which I think is great. Like, I'm a Callum I like fangirl, and the way he's you doing it in I, I love yeah. him, Shane. He's great. Callum's great. Also but very like, cute. Yes. Um, but like this isn't what we need for like no no this is is the insight i brought you two on here for (laughs) jesus no no look you're not wrong 2020 f2 year (laughs) no but like he needs mink needs a good seat but everyone and it is because of his name but he is a great driver but mick could go to indy and indy would want him and he, he would find a seat he hasn't done bad enough that a team like Williams, as we were saying, that needs a driver, would discount him. If Williams thought they could they could have Mick, they would go, yeah, let's put him on the list. Because I don't think he's done bad enough that you rule him out constantly. Especially as we're saying, like you take into account the Mick Germany needs another year and the last year he had, you have to discount. So even Haas might say at the end of the day, are you taking that risk on Hulkenberg when... Mm. You already know what he can do when, if you give Mick another year, is he going to shine? Like, what would have happened if Alpha Tari let go of Sonoda in the first year? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a driver who was also had issues with the team in the way he was treated, had a lot of mistakes, but now is a very solid driver because someone gave him the time of day. And I don't mm-hmm. want Mick to get lost 
in that kind of like the Haas constantly moving train of chaos thing yeah. when he has proven himself in the past. He just needs an environment to do it in. Yeah, look, I think that relationship's gone to pot. I if mm. if I, if you're if I'm gonna be honest, let me be honest for a second. <laughs> I think Gunter Steiner gets away with a lot because yes. he's the star of Drive to Survive. A hundred percent. And I'm not gonna lie, any other guy, his ass would be on the line right now. Yeah. Imagine if Toto was saying stuff like that about Lewis or George every week. It's just Bro, that man would be unemployed. Hundred percent. It's incredible, and it's such a good point because, for me, I just think, I think you know what the leaks coming out of the team. I think one of the head engineer, uh, I can't chief team engineer. I can't remember his name now, but I saw a quote uh, from him that said. Mick's great, but he concentrates too much on his teammates. They didn't like how he spoke on the radio after uh, during Austria spin race. I think he was asking to be let past Kevin Magnussen. Mm-hmm. When he was, no, he was quicker than Kevin Magnussen. He was asking to be let past, right? And the team weren't having it. Um, and I, I just think between Gunter and the team, that's just not how to run a Formula One team. And mm-hmm. I and I think Gunter's first for the press and limelight mm, yeah sometimes overtake what i can see as a, a, a team boss who i think uh, has shown a serious uh allergicness to developing a car through a season mm. to be honest <laughs> uh, he thinks he's christian horner and he's just not he's he is a little christian horner like, yeah, which is quite a thing to be. Yeah, like, right? Like, you are a... Sorry, Naz, Niddle is a, a supermarket <laughs> in the UK which specialises in, like, cheaper products, but it's, like, they oh. make, like, the same product. As, so you'll have, like, Walker's Crisps and yes. they'll have, like... <laughs> really long they'll have Christian's Crisps, but for, like, <laughs> 50p cheaper, basically. Anyway, okay. it's a cheaper yes. version than Long Story <laughs> So short. almost like a pound, lad, like, that would make sense. Yes, pound, lad. Man, but I don't know. The cost of living right now, you got a pound, not, not, not a pound. So, <laughs> no longer just a pound. No, yeah, no. It's it's literally, like you're going to Poundland and things are a fiver. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, it's oh, false no. advertising from the jump. Don't, don't, don't get, <laughs> don't get brought in. So, yeah, I, I've never seen a house car improve over the course of the season. Mm-hmm. They always start off here and then end off here, um, and. I just think, yeah, it's not an environment for a young driver to go into. And maybe they do need an experienced driver. But in, when they had two experienced drivers and Kevin Magnussen and, and Roman... Oh, Grosch, they hated one another. Right, that was awful. And they were crashing the whole time. They were quite crashing. And they're both great drivers. They just never got the mm. chance to show it. So if you yeah. have a driver like Roman or Kevin who can't stand up to, like, Steiner, what is Mick Schumacher with the weight of the world on his shoulders and all that expectation, that expectation you're going to do? That's why maybe he would work. Alongside Alex, who has done that, been that, been there, done that. <laughs> no, 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 either way, either way. Um, like, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Williams would be a place for me. My own view on it is, I mean, I'm the same as you, to be honest. Like, I think Mix having a, a I'm not going to lie, beginning of the season when he kept crashing that car i was like brother <laughs> this team cannot afford for you to keep crashing this car like you're going to bankrupt your team 
Right, he's got that under control now. I think his performances are on par, if not better, than Kevin Magnuson. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's starting to show his form. And it's a shame that I did all, I did worry when contract talks didn't happen, like, at the beginning of the season. And you know, if a driver's contract is coming up for renewal the next year and we start to get into silly season, then it's like, well, where's yeah. this guy going to go? And, you know, I... I I think he's just he's a victim of having been in the Ferrari Driver Academy. He left the Ferrari Driver Academy to try and secure a new role, a new drive that doesn't seem to have worked. So his only options really are Haas or bust. And I don't see. Uh, I feel like, but the thing is, the alternatives are what are getting me right now, right? So the alternatives to Mick. Oh, Antonio Giovinazzi. Who is ass. Thank <laughs> like, you. Who is already basically pregnant. Like, he's not better than Mick. Like, and like Nico Hulkenberg, I think. Who that- also has already proved he's not better than Mick. So, if any decision, and this is what I don't get with Haas, I don't understand. Surely, I mean, this is what I think gets me. Are things that toxic between Mick and Haas that the only viable alternatives are two drivers who in all fairness have had their time in F1. We know their ceiling would, I guess, needs some acclimatization back to the cars, although Hulkenberg's a reserve driver, so you know he's doing sim work and so on. But I just, um, yeah, I mean, is that the state? I mean, either way, I guess I'll ask you this question. Are Giovinazzi or Hulkenberg better options on purely on driving and pace than Mick Schumacher. I don't think so. I think kind of what has happened is we've seen a fallout of the relationship between Haas and kind of Mick's management. And even if, which I think is probably true, that Giovinazzi and Hockenberg are not better drivers than Mick. Um, I think just because that situation has just become untenable. You know, when, you know, you're like dating somebody and it's it's not going well. And so you're like, you know, I'd rather oh go back. <laughs> <laughs> to the devil i know because like this isn't working i hate this man but Mm. there's another man that i hate less and so you know we'll go there and see what happens i hear it i've 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 I've, I've, I've ate a lot off of that trust me i are you two all right no i've done that before i'm not right at all I'm not. I'm not. You should reevaluate your priorities this is not relatable at Um, Maybe I'm too young to get this. No, no, definitely because you are a child. Okay, and you get older, life will show you things. And as somebody who isn't even that much older than you, like it is hard out there. The dating pool is awful. The men are even worse. They like just piss in it. Throw them away. Throw them away. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. um, So I think part of the reason really is I don't think so much so much about kind of the talent that Mick has compared to Giovinazzi or, or Hulkenberg, but simply because that relationship is just no longer working. And so if it's simply not working, it doesn't make sense to continue to be in something that doesn't work. And I think it might, yeah, I don't know. It's not, no, Mick needs to go somewhere else. It's not working. They're yeah. awful. Well, prayers up for Mick. Um, <laughs> that's all I've got to say. Um, also, Mick, my DMs are open, you know, I can come to you if that's what you want to unbelievable so (laughs) absolutely unbelievable uh lucky getting me off of where i was going all right 
<laughs> Speaking of a man with nowhere to go, let's talk about Daniel oh. Ricardo. Right. I will put the same question to you about Daniel Ricardo. And I think this is a different conversation in itself. Mm-hmm. I'll start with you, Amelia. Does Daniel Ricardo deserve to stay in F1? Okay, I'm going to start this one off with a story. And this is a story that not many people know. But basically, the reason I am probably here on this podcast, the very first article I wrote was in mid-2020, just as the season was starting. And someone basically tweeted that they thought Daniel Ricciardo had peaked. And this was even before he started, like, had his first race with McLaren, um, like before 2020 even started. And I was like, what the hell? You can't say that. He's Daniel Ricciardo. So I sat down and I was like, I'm going to write all the reasons this isn't true. And then I got about halfway through doing it and I was like, hold on a minute, it kind of is true. (laughs) (laughs) But then my basic point at the end of that article, and this was like June 2020, was like, he hasn't peaked, but he needs to do well in McLaren. Because if he doesn't, then he has peaked. And that is still what I stand by today. And I think that was the best call of my life. And he hasn't done well in McLaren. So Monza was his peak. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, God, thank God for Monza because uh, honestly, it's looking a bit tight for my man still. Naz, I think he is a consequence of like a vibes kind of guy. I don't know if you guys goes through life, and they're just like you know, I'm a vibing, feeling good today. Like I'm just going through life, and whilst that's great, like it makes him likable, and you're like, oh he's so cute you know like he's like quirky as the girls say yeah um I think that the better or I don't know how to phrase this but kind of the harder it got in terms of the car that he was getting um at McLaren the more it just showed that he needed a little bit more than just good vibes um I think that last year we were probably willing to kind of like forgive him for the underperforming a little bit. You know, we were kind of like, well, you know, he's just coming into the team. He did come in last year, right? It was yeah. 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 So he was just coming in and apparently Carlos Sainz is cars particularly hard to drive. And then he had that Monza thing. And so we were like, oh no, you know, things are looking up. And then we come to this year, new car and a completely different philosophy of the type of car that you have. And still like your teammate is wiping the floor with you. And I think part of it is that he did come into Lando's team. And so that team had already developed around Lando. But I think it also just shows like how much like the value of knowing the technical abilities of like a car and knowing how to like give feedback so that your engineers know kind of how to prep the car for you, not for you to kind of just go and say, well, today is a great day to be me and kind of just move (laughs) like that. You know, so I think he, I think a lot of the reason why he's suffering is because of that. And also, I think he's just old. Like, he's younger than me. What the fuck's going on here? Really? Oh my God. Let me live. (laughs) Nyasha, you are an old man, bestie, but we love you. (laughs) Okay, well, Um, thanks, guys. No matter what happens, keep it on the black stuff. We'll see you next week. The fuck? (laughs) That was uncalled for. See, no, but see, like, how people just go, go on and do like, do I mean like that? No, wait, Nyasha, you're pushing 40. No, Ricardo's like, how much Ricardo? Like, 30, like 35. It's 32. Oh. No, he's like 33. Oh. oh, I thought he was like 35. My bad. Even so, 
<laughs> no, because if you said you're older than Ricardo, because in my head I was like, Ricardo's 35. You said he's I'm older than him. So I thought, oh my god. Yeah, that is pushing for yes, you're older than 35. Okay, okay yeah. I was okay. like, okay, okay. Oh, that, that is technically pushing 40, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yes, yeah, so I think like Ricardo feel bad for him, kind of, but also some people like to say that he ran away from a fight at Red Bull. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, um, I think that was a completely different scenario. And I don't think we can, we can attribute that to him running away from a fight. Um, but like, he just hasn't like kicked on like in, in a good way, you know, as, as once he left uh-huh. Red Bull, it just like the, the pots weren't happening as the girls like to say in South Africa. The what wasn't happening? The pots, like the pots were not cooking, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that when I come over to try and impress. You. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that randomly. Please don't don't do that. Don't, uh, don't are do the pots that. happening? Huh? Mm-mm. Huh? First flight back to London, Amelia. <laughs> um. So look. Um. We're in a world I never envisaged this happening. Alpine look like they're doing everything possible not to sign Daniel Ricciardo. Um, they're making it very clear they're having a whole test day with a bunch of other drivers who I don't think are as quick as Daniel Ricciardo, but I guess that's that's that. Um, I don't think Williams could afford him. I don't know if Daniel Ricciardo would want to go to Williams either, to be honest. Um, and then I don't think... I don't think Haas is the right fit either. I guess what I'll say to you is this. Sorry, did you want uh-huh. to say something? No, I was listening uh, to you. Oh, thank you. It's nice to have people <laughs> listening to me intently on this podcast. No, no one ever really listens to me. Um, so, um, well, I guess what I'll ask is is this. Is how bad this like, these last two years have gone? I guess if you're a team principal looking at spending around i guess 10 to 15 million dollars a year on a driver and i guess you're looking at obviously what daniel has done but what has happened recently and you know with a car that's not to his liking i guess i'll ask the question even if daniel ricardo does take a year off um and you know opportunities pop up next year do you see a way back into the sport for Daniel Ricciardo or, or, or are we seeing the the sad end to what it was, you know, a pretty, a really good F1 career, but mm-hmm. I guess are we seeing the end of Daniel Ricciardo now? This is the whole convergization of Daniel Ricciardo because he will be around for another 10 years, but is that <laughs> man going to have a seat? That man is going to be rumoured to have every single seat from now on. Is he going to get any of them? Probably not. <laughs> I feel like the thing with Daniel, and I mean, when this, when Daniel was officially announced, I saw so many Ricardo fans are saying like, oh, he said he only wants F1. He doesn't want anywhere else. Um, so if he takes a year out, he takes a year out. I'm like, that's brave to think your, your, your driver can take a year out, not do anything and then come back. Like, yeah, if you go to IndyCar, you are probably going to be an IndyCar for a long time. But you're gonna have a you're gonna have a good run in Indy. If you do endurance, you might never get out, but you're gonna make bank doing it. Like, mm. if he has a year out, he's just gonna be sitting on the sidelines waiting for a seat. And is that seat gonna come just because 
like if he'd retired or taken a year after he left Red Bull or even after he left Renault mm-hmm. then he hadn't proved he wasn't good enough but I feel like especially 2022 he hasn't proven that he can do much in what has been at times a good car like yeah. he hasn't done enough to prove that if you give him a new car he'll do good which is probably why Alpine don't want him even though they've had him before and they know that he can do provide solid performances for them yeah it, it's just uh it's a strange one mm-hmm. it's a strange one with Daniel Ricciardo I mean I love Daniel Ricciardo like I I think a lot of us no, a lot of us don't want to put things on you guys, but a lot of people thought that him going to McLaren seemed like a good move at the time, right? Before, you know, before uh, a tyre had even rolled on the 2020 season, he'd signed, he signed that deal. McLaren were a podium-getting team. Ricardo is a podium-getting guy. You know, he got a, got a few at Renault. Um and it looked like, okay, this is a step up. He can take that team. He can be a good guide for Norris. We can now see where Norris is up. You know, yes, although, you know, seeing as he was pretty much equal to science over those two years, you know, I, th- I guess there was already a bar there. But I guess we all assumed at the time, Danny Ricardo was a more fancied driver than Carlos Sainz. So it's crazy mm. how, the, how the tables turn. So it just seems... It's, it's it's a shame how it's all come to an end. I think it's it's sad watching a sports person in decline, right? You know, and especially because in a sport so devoid of personality, like, let's take away the fact that he said that the news bums him out, okay? And <laughs> that's like the one thing that has like done more to damage that man's career yeah, than any driver. Let me tell you, because of those things that he said, whenever something bad happens to him, I'm just like, well. You know, it's so funny to me. I'll never get over laughing about it. Yeah, you know, if you were a little bit more informed, this might not have been your path, but here you are. Yeah. Even though there's absolutely no correlation in my mind, I'm absolutely <laughs> cause correlation. Symbiosis. No, you as you should. And uh <laughs> I, you know, it's just a shame what you know, it's just like I know I watch football, watching footballers, you know, after they be like, you know. Watching Messi at PSG or like you know whatever Ronaldo, but he's a prick. So you don't want to talk about him. But like, do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's sad. And F one, I guess you know we're talking about F one without Williams. We're talking about an F one without Mick or whatever. But an F one without Daniel Ricciardo is a bit of a sadder place, right? And you know because who's going to come in wearing chaps and cowboy hats at Texas now? You know, losing. Okay, but can we talk about that, that very quickly? Three American races is like the biggest, worst thing Formula One has ever had happen. Yeah, no, he's gonna. Although I will say that that whole his love of Texas specifically, mm. as a white man who does not come from the US and is Australian, to me is very weird. Like right. I, I'm not trying to insinuate anything about the kind of person that he is. But like we know, but are you- oh, I mean, it, 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 it sounds like you're using my platform to do just that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm def- no, I think it's, it's weird, right? Like I, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a like a complete dickhead. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm just say anyway. Just lean into it, right? Yeah. Like I think 
it's very weird. And especially, I think I wouldn't really have an issue with it if he kind of just liked American culture, like in general, but he seems to really particularly enjoy kind of like Texas and like the cowboys thing. And it's like his shtick and he quite enjoys it. And for me as a black person, I'm definitely like- Oh, you're saying he likes too much old white shit. He's flying <laughs> too close to the old white ship, son. He is. Right. It's a little bit like you're doing a lot. Like, like when George you... had the little cowboy. That's literally what yes. I was going to say. But I was like, exactly. Say oh, no, we can say that. No, I put it, podcast. <laughs> no, it is giving that. It's giving George a sheriff outlet. Yeah, right because like, like what, what connection no. do you have to the u.s that makes you like texas specifically do you know what it is? like none of the other states like it's just texas where you're like you see these are my people and i mean and i'm sure the people in texas are fantastic please people from <laughs> texas do not come for me i'm sure you're great most of you you know except for the ones who are not pro-choice but um i've slipped in a political statement no, that's <laughs> fine no yeah it's happened i'm surprised it took this long because some of them aren't pro-choice <laughs> so you know like it's weird but you know i'll get off my soapbox now no that's fine no thank you like you know look i think with daniel ricardo yeah uh I'm willing to shoot him some bail, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, Danny Ricardo learned everything he loves off the TV, right? Like, because he's not reading the news. He's not <laughs> looking at cover. <laughs> so everything that he's got about Texas is like literal movies. That's why he loves um, Talladega Nights. That's probably the only reason he was like, pretty much Talladega Nights. And it was like, oh, what's, oh, NASCAR. Yeah, you're oh. saying this bad stuff happens in Texas. The man doesn't watch the news. He, he doesn't even have a clue. He has got no clue. So everything he likes is like just tea. That's why he's walking in with cowboys and like, that's like, that's, that's all he knows. It's all he knows. Cowboys and NASCAR. Just vibes. Just vibes. <laughs> Bless him. Even if he's. That's why you see the comparison between him and Lando, because with Lando, I think if you were like an inch more self-aware, everyone would like you so much more. 100% hate him. Can't stand him. Didn't he write like a really, um, didn't he write a piece in a very conservative newspaper? Yeah, Lando's Um, getting them telegraph (laughs) panels. What do you mean? I I just remembered I had a really big going for that and I forgot. Not like someone will buy him that. And I think also part for me, the reason why I don't like Lando mm-hmm. is he does this thing where you know how like kindness can sometimes be or goofiness or silliness can sometimes just like be like shady, like there's yeah. an undercurrent. And I feel like he plays us as though we don't see the undercurrent. Like, I think half the things that he does, he absolutely knows he's going to get a rise out of people. I think he absolutely knows that, like, this is going to ruffle some feathers. And he's willing to do the whole, like, oh, I'm just being nice. Oh, I'm just being jokey. Without kind of realizing that we all can clock. Because I think there's been enough people that have kind of said, like, you're being kind of weird with the things that you do. Maybe reassess. That I don't, I mean, maybe perhaps he's surrounds himself with people who like are his, um, like his, you know, they like write his deck. So, you know, they're just, I know, they're just... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Great, thank you. Might need to PG that. 
<laughs> so he might just you know surround himself with people who just um I, I can't think of the proper words that's why i use that one yeah like yes um, man sycophants, sycophants, that was the word there i wanted yes yeah so you know he just has a bunch of sycophants who like won't t- call him out in the ship and so here we are having to deal with him and his rubbish <laughs> see i would agree he's doing it knowingly but i honestly i'm not sure he's that clever yeah <laughs> like i think i can be fond of him but i'm like does this man have a big enough brain <laughs> to be self-aware let alone yeah. think he's more self-aware than the rest of us no 100 mcclaren is two fucking idiots who have no idea they're fucking idiots in the same but if they weren't they'd be the most fearable people in the yeah, planet like, if those two could just be though oh yeah, let me say that the first six to eight months of that relationship last year is some of the most you know mclaren they got Danny Ricardo in. They said, "Oh my God, we're gonna get this PR money rolling in. <laughs> These two are gonna be bouncing off each other like friggin'. I don't even know who's even a good fucking partnership. Who got a Key and Paul. I don't know. Do you want keep... Maybe Pinky and the Brain, but Pinky like the, the Brain is kind of smart. Yeah, yeah. Neither of them are smart. smart. Yeah, so no, yeah. They're both work. Pinky." Essentially, yes. they thought yes. it was going to be pinging the brain, but they're both pinky, and yes. and it just turned into the most cringeworth, like back to back of horrible videos, horrible content. They obviously don't like each other. Lando's saying, like, you know, you think I give a damn about that bitch? I don't. <laughs> fuck. He was happy to put him in the dirt. So, I mean, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy that Ricardo's going to get out. I I love. All the Ricardo fans, like, oh my god, McCrammon's so toxic. Get that, and it's just like, I mean, it is, yeah, but your your driver's not doing well, bro. Like, I'm just saying. So, uh, it's a shame. Look, it'll be interesting to see where Daniel Ricardo goes, um, for sure, because, yeah, year out, and then you know, talks of him being Mercedes reserve driver. I think that's coming out of Daniel's camp more than Mercedes camp, to be honest. And to be honest. <laughs> I don't know why I would want a reserve driver in my car that couldn't even tune his own car. Mercedes could have Charlotte Claire as their reserve. And like, like they're not going to choose a guy who had a year out, who drove for two years with their engines anyway. Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like, Daniel, we but can't even get a sim correct. Exactly. Like... I'm like, how would that work? Like, when he's going in to, like, you know, do some work. What is what does that conversation look like, and how does it benefit? Daniel, we need you to drive. He's not got any marketing power when you have Lewis and George in your team. Yeah. So what does he bring? We don't need him, honestly. We don't need. Look, we'll see. There was one more thing I wanted to discuss before we get into women's in um, uh, women in motorsport month. I had a conversation last week, and I was like, you know what? I need to bring this onto my own platform. Uh, because now I can speak freely on it. Um, so, I big up my brother Cameron, by the way. Love you. Um, Cameron had me on his platform uh, last week to discuss, uh, I don't know if any of you have seen it, Christian Horner's interview on the F1 podcast, which I can't remember the name of now. Uh, Beyond, Beyond, Beyond the, the Grid. grid yeah, like Christian that. Horner did another Beyond the Grid podcast, which was, to put it lightly, an absolute bag of shit mm-hmm. of lies. He was lying his ass <laughs> off. I've never, it, it was like listening to North Korean state propaganda. I was like, have, have I watched the same shit as you? Are you just lying to me? 
some of the provable lies that Christian Horner said. Uh, he said that Michael Massey only um, Michael Massey only made one mistake, and that was not allowing the two other cars passed at the restart. Uh, Christian Horner said Lewis Hamilton has uh, never praised Max or given Max any uh, kind of nice words. Christian Horner. Wait, can I just interject very quickly on that? Lewis Hamilton will throw a, a compliment at anybody, right? Like, stop lying. No, I don't be in a car with Lewis Hamilton and he could compliment my driver. yeah 100% there were other provable lies as well I guess beyond that right you know we we all know Christian Um, I want to talk about Christian how I guess how Christian Horner uses the media right to to kind of spin narratives and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, is that good for the sport I guess uh, Christian Horner does a lot of media and he helps, you know, drive interest in the sport. He's a very public facing figure. I'm sure Red Bull are happy about that because it helps sell their team brand and so forth. But I guess does, is there a point where I guess we have a situation where Red Bull um, had, uh, they play, they pleaded for engine freezes because they would never be able to get their engines out on time. But then, you know, Honda are still making their engines and they're going to get an engine partner anyway. So it was a big fucking deal. Um, they uh, were able to basically, um, manipulate the race director into and having a cozy direct relationship with them. And that ended up in whatever it ended up in, uh, and you know the the media narrative after Silverstone, and you know, and I guess what they kind of created and what that what that entailed. I guess open conversation on Christian Horner is Christian Horner is Christian Horner good for? I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to ask a question, which is a leading question. But I guess you know what? What are your guys' thoughts on Christian Horner? So Full stop. I think. Formula One, media, um, whatever, needs to decide what direction they want Formula One to take. If we are going to go down the direction of being inflammatory and allowing ourselves to be, by by ourselves, I mean, um, to kind of be manipulated and for the worst types of people to make their way within Formula One and have those kind of ideas more centralized, more accepted. They then need to go down that route, but then you can't then have we race as one because then quite clearly there's a conflict, right? Um, am I a fan of Christian Horner? No. I mean, I watched the early season of Drive to Survive and I thought it was kind of like quite like I thought he was likable. Like, you know, I was like, oh well, you know he's there he's always he always has something to say I guess it's kind of cute whatever (laughs) um however I think just I don't know how to say this I'm probably gonna get cancelled but like here we are (laughs) um I think that he embodies his like white madness showed up for me at Silverstone um and particularly the way in which he used basically like um, um, incited people to go after Lewis Hamilton, right? Yeah. And then when he was called out on that, then said to all of us, 
you know, well, Max also got abuse, right? As though somehow racial yeah. abuse is the same as like somebody calling Max a prick, which he is, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> Just as an aside. Oh man, the little Max bots are gonna <laughs> love you. Let me tell you that right now. Amelia, your thoughts on Christian Horner. Okay. This is the place to start off Christian Horner, so I'm gonna do that. Um, <laughs> to me, Christian Horner in the media is like, this is where I'm gonna be the political F on Amelia. It's like a Boris Johnson resignation speech. It's like a late in his term Boris Johnson PMQs where no matter how obviously untrue the shit he says is, there is always some racist out there that will believe it. Perfect <laughs> analogy. Perfect <laughs> analogy. And do you know what it is, right? Mm. For me, I I think I appreciate Christian Horner's tenacity, uh, Christian Horner's absolute dog-like spirit to get things Yeah, in done F1, he is a genius. Done. He is like, an F1 genius, you know I mean? he's just not a very nice person. No, and I think what I think I worry about is in a sport where, you know, where fans try to call stuff out and they get called um, aggressive or if fans, you know, um, you know, I think I think gaslighting fans about Abu Dhabi yeah. is is wrong. Like, I just think that's wrong no matter what we think of the result or no matter what you think of the repercussions sorry um it is not okay for a team principal to come out and just lie about what happened and to kind of push this narrative that oh you know michael massey if he if he just let the other two cars everything would have been fine like that's fundamentally wrong the the safety car had to go around for another lap if that was going to happen it can't you can't let two cars through and then duck and that's that's wrong so you know i just think yeah i just think it's dangerous i think it's dangerous and i think the fact that he has such a mouthpiece is what scares me like you know whenever he wants he's got a microphone to kind of to say what he wants i don't you know i don't think he needs to at this point in time like you know his team are winning comfortably they've done an incredible job this season but for him to just i guess have an interview where he's just going on the offensive and again trying to paint lewis <laughs> at this like as this monster who hates max and max is this poor little boy who just wants lewis to say nice things about him and michael massive just this poor little guy who just made one little mistake and i just all of that i just find it incredibly uh wrong to do so uh, <laughs> so i guess what no let me just let's go on to the women in motorsport stuff because i guess i've got you yeah so for those who don't know uh and i i look i think this did this start inaugurally last year no this started in 2020 2020 yeah but my platform grows okay nice of course um so uh i guess describe for the for the listeners and watchers what is women in motorsports month why does what no why does it happen why you know why are you pushing it and 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 i guess yeah just give us some more information okay so I started Women in Motorsport Month in 2020, and I didn't have that much of a platform. But basically, um, I think it's odd because I grew up in an environment where sexism wasn't, I mean, it's something you see in the media, but I never really had that around me. So when I joined Formula One in 2020, I feel like, especially because that was such a flashpoint year for social yeah. change in the sport, 
I saw it to a level I'd never seen it and I was really quite shocked by it in 2020 and that year I was basically like I want something that we can do about this and we can focus on it because it was that kind of year when I think everyone really wanted to push similar things so I started it in 2020 um, and I think the one thing that made me carry on was it was because Women in Motorsport Month is every November it was literally a few days after that that the infamous Mazepin incident happened and then I was like this is not going to go away anytime soon so last year we hosted it again and then it's this November as well and it's basically I want it to be about celebrating the achievements in women of women in motorsport because I feel like no matter how much you know about motorsport there's always women in motorsport that are really famous that you don't see as much that have done like really really incredible things for the sport that you don't hear about but I also want to commemorate and something that's something that we've seen a lot of this year the ongoing misogyny within Formula One and that obviously doesn't just affect women but it is a serious problem when we do need to tackle it and I wanted the kind of opportunity where we can focus our efforts on it and we can talk about it in a, a specific time so we can come together more as a community. Nice. It's an incredible idea. And um, I guess, yeah, anything that we could do to help push that is, is, is really good. I guess, Naz, it feels like maybe your internet's being quite misogynistic towards you, but on a, on a, on a, on a serious level, um, I know in your spaces, you know these um, misogyny is uh, you know some of the things that are kind of touched upon and i guess you know someone who is within the f1 uh, kind of space and you know and just you know watching f1 itself i guess from your point of view just how bad is the misogyny that you kind of see within within the sport i mean i think so i think part of it is kind of just a reflection of society right that as a society we haven't moved forward to see women as full um, members of society that yeah. you know deserve as much respect as their male um, counterparts um, and just kind of just people in general so I think and I think especially with Formula One because it is kind of such a male dominated space that, that that for a very long time has been allowed to fester right so I mean, I think this year was probably the first time, and I suppose also this year is the first time that we've had people coming to the tracks. We've had a lot more people coming to the tracks, a lot more people probably look different than traditional um, uh, motorsport fans. And I think we're kind of then kind of seeing a, kind of an, I don't want to say an attack, but a really kind of concerted effort to show or to, to other specific kind of women and people who are not white heterosexual men, um, or at least present themselves as such. Um, and so I think part of that is really anytime you try and make any kind of progress in society, there's always going to be pushback. And I think that the space for pushback is particularly kind of ripe, for lack of a better word, because of the, the, the traditional base um, that is kind of men or fans in Formula One. I also don't think that um, Formula One itself has done enough to kind of... Um, to move that conversation in the right direction. And I think part of this is, I like to think that sometimes Formula One does this thing where whatever the kind of the cool and the sexy thing is, they kind of will, will throw into their messaging. And once kind of the pan, everything kind of starts to fizzle and it's no longer kind of as the cool. The pots are done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> once the pots are done, they kind of just say, okay, well, you know, we're chucking this out. Um, and I, I, 
I don't think that they're doing enough to make their tracks inclusive for everybody. Um, I think it doesn't work to have a social media campaign where you're saying, you know, like block somebody on Instagram or on Twitter if they say something abusive to you um, or, you know, kind of saying an empty statement like we as Formula One are against kind of abuse of people at the stadium, but you're not doing anything to protect those people that are experiencing that abuse, right? So, and I, and I mean, there's a spectrum of things that you could do, like providing safe spaces for people that, you know, are particularly vulnerable at certain tracks. Um, and where certain fan bases tend to show their asses a lot more. Um, so, <laughs> again, going to need to lock my account. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think, yeah, I mean, going back to what you asked, it, it happens because it's a reflection of society. And I think also because of the way that Formula One is. Um, I don't think that Formula One is powerless to stop it. Um, I think that there are very real things that they can do to make it better, but I think they choose not to. And I think part of that, at the end of the day, Formula One is a business. Um, they're not doing this kind of for their health. They're trying to make money. And people who are giving them money are also the same people that they're kind of trying to correct, if you will, or mm-hmm. trying to um, condemn. And so then it becomes a little bit awkward when you effectively are trying to look as though you're moving in the right direction but refusing to kind of stop your bag if you will right and so kind of the trade-offs that they're willing to make we then see in them giving us empty kind of signals and gestures where we must report people on the social media um i'm sorry but that's a real bugbear of mine i think <laughs> no that's <laughs> honestly that 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 was really insulting like for mm. me as well one of the reasons i didn't mention that i started on the next one was like like, I was 16 when I joined F1 Twitter, and I'm 18 now. Like, that's two formative years of your life. And mm-hmm. I spent a lot of that having, like, very misogynistic views in these spaces. And the community did loads to me. The community really helped because that obviously, like, really affects you. Mm-hmm. I didn't get any support from anyone in F1. No one mm-hmm. at F1 told me, you know, block the person. And when they did, that didn't work. They just mm-hmm. continued Making to support an environment where those people were uplifted by the people that mm-hmm. were doing that were uplifted and they've never done anything since like i'm sorry blocking someone if blocking someone worked i would have been a lot happier a few years ago <laughs> yeah i mean look, considering uh some of the stuff that we've got as well you know i we've mm-hmm. blocked people and, and new accounts just uh, new accounts just come up i guess amelia i'm not gonna lie one of the things i'll be really honest actually and say mm-hmm. that one of your tweets from when I first joined F1 Twitter actually changed how I think about things uh, a lot. I've got a lot of tweets. So you've got to narrow that down. Oh, well, I'm about to. <laughs> um, I think if I can remember it. But I, when I felt, you know, the thing is, one thing I didn't realize is that probably, no, let's not say more than football, in a different way to football. Uh, I, F1 is really kind of tied to, I guess, Stan culture, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. and that is in football, right? It's, but I guess it's definitely done uh, a lot more proportionally by women yeah, definitely. F1 in, is, in yeah. F1, right, than it is in, in, in F1. I don't think there is really there's much difference between them but yeah i guess that's it's first time i've definitely seen it on that level and as someone new coming into it 
I definitely was like, what the fuck is this shit? Then why, why are we talking about what drivers look like? Why, why, why are we not talking about the sport? Whatever. Um, but I had to check myself about that, right? And I, I think you tweeted something like, you know, just something along the lines of like, these these people are fans as much as anyone else is a fan, right? And, you know, we shouldn't be looking down on fans. Fans want to like someone for the way they look, then that's fine. If fans want to like fucking mechanical shit, then whatever, that's fine. You do your thing over there. So, uh-huh. uh, and that was that was a learning point. And I guess in that way, I think that's how I, once I started to be in the space more and like follow more people, whatever, I think that's what makes it actually an incredible space, like the variety in in the sport and that comes from girls but i guess what could be done i guess you know with uh i guess if you know as a girl who's who maybe like wanting to get into web one as a girl who's kind of looking from the sidelines i guess what can what can be done i guess if you if you were f1 right or if you were people in power in social media sites or whatever like what could be done to i guess protect people from misogynistic abuse and and Mm -hmm. so forth it is like definitely a culture thing. And I think the thing we're talking about, like that very specific, it's hard to describe, but the very specific style of Stan yeah. that is like more associated with women, that can always detract it because then you have like the DTS style narrative, which I don't even think is a valuable insult in F1 anymore. I think that's I like an awful insult, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I feel like it's even that has lost its value now mm. because it's just used as an insult. But I feel like it's about uplifting that kind of community, like, there are a lot of people on F1 that are in a similar like type of stand kind of thing who got into F1 in alternative communities. Like so many of us got into direct survival in that era from like YouTubers. Like I'll always say I got into F1 from Will- F1 from Will and A. That's a whole different like space, but we're used to being in spaces where we are more protected of stands because the people that we look up to like have those values too. So I feel like when you get teams like you get teams like Aston Martin and Mercedes who are the best at capturing that mm. and fans feel more comfortable and more safe around those fans. Like it's not a coincidence that although you might get attacked for being a Lewis stand, like no Lewis, very few Lewis stands are gonna do that kind of thing. Like I don't think that's a controversial thing to say where I feel more comfortable being friends talking to Team LH than anywhere else. Because I think it reflects your values, but then I think as a team, you have to reflect that as well. Like, I know so many stands in that variety too that were really, like, really hurt by Aston Martin's partnership with Aramco because they're effectively Saudi Arabia and they're very misogynistic and homophobic laws in that country. And it's like, you really just have to have those values and prove that you have those values. And then fans feel safer and they feel like they can believe and trust the people around them in a way yeah no that's that's very true um naz um how do we improve i don't want to i feel like i'm going to sound so defeatist but i think ultimately um i don't know that there is a way to improve kind of at least the safety or making formula one feel more inclusive without it directly affecting formula one's yeah. pocket yeah right like i oh, said 100 it continues to thrive because they're quite happy to take their money yeah <laughs> even though you probably would see that if they were to if they were to choose to be kind of more um um intentional about what their approach 
too big it is, you might find that there's actually a bigger margin of people who are willing to support them. Um, you know, but then I suppose then we need to get into kind of the actual ethics of Formula One itself and whether or not. Well, there's no, there's not much there to get to get, really, is there? Fuck all. I mean, <laughs> um, um, you know, so I think, like, I think, I suppose on a kind of smaller level, it really kind of just starts with if you have privilege, um, you know, whether you're a man or whether you're, you know, you're white or whatever, and you see these things to kind of like call them out, right? Um, and to not, which I suppose is a hard thing because sometimes these people are people that you hold affection for because they're your friends or, you know, um, or your family. And I suppose part of it is also just reflecting on the kind of person you want to be um, and whether or not that behavior that you see or that you exhibit is the kind of behavior that you would want to come back to you, right? And if it's not, then and I mean it doesn't even need to be like where you're trying to dunk on somebody's head and like you know come up with like a read to like you know like serve them but I think even if it's kind of just like a dm you know to somebody you know and say have you maybe thought about how this might make this person feel shitty right and I think part of it and it's not that you know you want we necessarily have to be nice to everyone but I think kind of the most valuable lesson that I've learned is to look at how I want to be treated in life and whether or not the way that I act reflects that, right? So the way that I treat people is that if, if I wasn't me, would I be treated in that same way? And I suppose even on F1 Twitter, you know, so we can talk about like the toxicity of, F, of F1 Twitter, but I think fundamentally it starts with like ourselves yeah. and like you honestly reflecting on what kind of person am I? Um, would I like me if I saw me across the road? Um, yeah. and saw how I was acting and you know if you really have an honest conversation with yourself and the answer to that is no then maybe like just stop being a dick you know? there you go <laughs> stop being a fucking dick it's a valuable lesson like, <laughs> like I say this is like like I'll say this is someone that's like obviously like going through like very formative years in my life on Twitter but the people that have like like I like to think that I don't go out of my way to be an asshole but the people that have messaged me the people that I look up to, like almost as older siblings and I found fucked up, they have done the most for me because when you get a lot of abuse, you start hitting back at it. And then sometimes mm. it can feel like everyone is like that when they're just making a comment. But the people that will go out of your way, go out of their way and send a DM and say, don't do that. And here's why that's the mm. most valuable people for me. Because mm. then I've learned to stop being like angry at everything and assuming everyone is angry at me. And then you just create a better space for yourself to exist in yeah and what i would say is as well that going back to the stand culture thing is like that runs the space like all of the hit tweets you see all of the incredible content all of like and you you say that mercedes mercedes pretty much just copy whatever f1 twitter does and then stick a mercedes logo on it and then you know (laughs) And then he gets paid a pretty hefty bonus for that. So we should be paying some of that to us. Um, <laughs> so, um, but quickly, I guess, Amelia, how can people get involved uh, when the time comes around? And what, like, you know, if, you know I guess, how can people like share, amplify, whatever? Um, so something I actually wanted to work on, well, not work on, but something I wanted to emphasize this year is like, this movement isn't about me and my platform. I'm just the one promoting it. Yeah. I don't want this to be a me thing because like, as much as I wish it wasn't, I think there are people out there that will think, oh, that's associated with me. Like, 
I want this movement to be about inclusive values. So like naming no names, but if you're a team that's racist or you're a homophobic team Red and you haven't Can you say I don't want teams to do No, you're right. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want teams that aren't inclusive to all women to get involved. This is not a girl boss feminism. This is not Mm -hmm. any liberal feminism thing. Do not be promoting your women if you do not promote all women on your platform. But I do want this to be about a community wide thing where you can do your own thing. Like I've spoken to some organizations and I'm like, post a tweet. Post a tweet just with the hashtag women at motorsport month put something out put any content you want out like just have a conversation have a conversation in twitter um i'll probably be running stuff on the f1 community um anyway because i'm an admin on that but have a chat on that talk to people put a tweet out like just try and focus even if it's just once about thinking about the change that we have but and this is like the big thing for me make sure like i do not want any liberal feminism any non-inclusive stuff i do not want liberal feminism stuff like just i know i keep saying that but like <laughs> I, d- I don't want it to be like oh look at this woman who also is like racist or whatever just because she's a formula <laughs> one like, yeah you know what i'm that, that boils my blood <laughs> no honestly like she's not even have you heard what she said about feminism she's like oh no i don't want feminism to be about bra burning i want it to be an appreciation of our softness and stuff and i'm like no go away softness, I don't want anywhere oh, girl, you better like no go <laughs> <Read> away something <laughs> yes exactly that is that's pretty wild but that's when i'm uh, <laughs> okay no thank you for bringing that on man i appreciate it um and we will amplify that uh, any of that as much as we can and i, I someone actually thank asked you. me the other day how they could like find more friends in within F1. And I guess if you're watching this or you're listening to this and you're wondering that Twitter is a great place to start. Yes. Go yes. Follow, follow your favorite driver, follow your favorite podcasts, see who they interact with, see who's under their posts, follow them. Um, and you will organically grow your own little corner of the internet and um i it's changed my life i think it's changed all of our lives in some way or another and i can't speak to that enough and and i would say that it is the women on f1 twitter who make the experience what it is um incredible funny informative very pretty as well respectfully um so uh so yeah um thank you so much for that naz any last words before i ask you that or anything when are you doing a space next when's the next space i will talk to okay yeah actually let me be honest shame god bless them i think the problem is has kind of been that we're all really busy like you Mm. said i've moved into a different phase of my life um, which kind of means that my availability can sometimes be very Oh, it's you. Oh, you're, you're the Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, now it's coming okay. out. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, right? I mean, if you look at my timeline, the only time where it's actually proper happening is like during F1 weekends. Okay. And that's because I plan my life, you know, outside of my work life okay. around F1 weekends. And so like, you know, sometimes I'm like, you know, they're like, we should do a space. And I'm like, oh, I have to oh, go somewhere. And so, but I mean, we, you know, I think if we put our minds to it, we can definitely we can do one. stuff okay. more consistent. I will but, be yeah. there. No, no worries. Yeah. Look, I, I thank also, you. Also, for... yeah, sure. whilst I'm here, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, thank you so much for your support. Um, okay. I always say this, but I think 
like we only work and Parkland only work because of the incredible support that we receive um and you have been one of those people that's been really really important um in oh. terms of of like supporting us and saying that we're doing a thing and it's like really you know cool and I think also Amelia um I think I reached out to you I think it was like a year ago when we did the space um I think what you do is really important um in terms of talking oh. about like women in 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 motorsport um so keep up the good work big fans of you both oh i'm big fans of you both oh, this is so <laughs> oh, shame. Wow. This is so you were cute. saying a minute ago about finding your space on the internet and i think this is truly a great corner of f on twitter and this is mm. the corner of f on twitter that yeah. i think makes a lot of change happen and it's yeah. a positive a positive part Oh, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate both of you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you can see their social media handles in their in their things below, and make sure you say hello to them. Make sure you, well, yeah, Naz, I don't know what you're going to get, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, don't say anything to Naz. Okay, say anything to Naz. Do you have a problem with me? Okay. Although, um, one thing about me is like. If you come for me, mm. I will come for you. So yes. let's just. Yeah. She yeah. knows where you live. We're tracking IP addresses. <laughs> um, thank you so much, guys, for coming on. If you're listening, if you've got this far, thank you so much. Uh, make sure you're giving us a like and a subscribe in the video, giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, rating on Spotify. And if you want some garments, feel free to go to the Quick Stop F1 website. We've got a new gum drop in october that's going to be first week of october the lewis mm. hamilton t-shirts coming out yeah. so that's going to be good uh, everyone's going to enjoy that we've got a whole range for christmas coming out as well so gifts for all the family um so yeah and whilst i'm here any other announcements oh yeah i stream all the time on twitch make sure you come on twitch our twitch uh, link is below but that is it for today thank you to my lovely guests you you are great and Remember, no matter what you Keep do. Keep it on the black stuff. Are you okay? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? We're going to end this bit out like, do no, again, do it again. No, 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 I'll, I'll, I will do it again. You know what, fine, you know what, I'll tear it up for you. And you instead of stealing it from me, you can just say it. Fucking steal it. You know when someone takes food off your plate without even asking? Like, I'm fine with you taking it, but like... Ask a brother. No, but can I just say, like, I have been waiting so long to say that because sometimes I think I remember I was tweeting something about um I can't remember where it was, but basically I said like in the words of quick stop, like keep it on the black stuff. Yeah. And so like I literally wow. do the thing where I like quote you guys in like my real <laughs> Oh wow, that's awesome. You must be having some real dumbass conversations. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, let me tee it up, okay? And remember, no matter what life throws at you. Keep it on the black stuff. <laughs> Wonderful. Take care. <laughs> black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. 
The corrupt powers that rule this nation are hard at work. They are trying to keep wages low and the rent high. They are quick to line the pockets of big businesses, but tell us they can't find a dime for the people. I understand this. I've seen the rot from the inside as a state senator, and it's ugly and widespread. On Unboss, we are working to change that. Every day on Unboss, we are bringing you the stories that really matter. We talk about power, corruption, justice, or lack thereof, and we break this down every weekday, giving you the tools to give the power back to where it belongs with the people. I'm Nina Turner, and I am Unbought and Unbossed. Listen to Unbossed on Apple Podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.